welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax, and, and I'm scared of this chair. And thank you for listening. David, okay, what? What's uh, the deal? This chair is not a recliner, right? It is not, no. It seems to be shifting ah, in a weird way. Here's what it is. It is a chair that I put together. <laughs> okay. So you should only have so much faith in it. And this is and this is the chair we usually make the guests sit in, by the way. Yeah, and you know what? The guests do tend to lean back, and so I need to uh, tighten the screws on that a That's little bit. That's probably true, yeah. We are... Um, how are you? I'm all right. Um, we are doing uh, a bit of a throwback episode in terms of our setup. I know. Well, first we start... I just had a, a Tommy's chili burger. Okay. Which, if you go back to very early episodes, like if you buy the first 40 uh, episodes on the website... How much is that, David? Uh, 10 bucks okay. for 40 episodes. Actually, a little less than 40. We call it the first 40 because that sounds right, but it's actually like... 36 episodes or something like I that? I think so, yeah. Um, Those guest episodes are already available to you. Yeah. Um, you can buy the first 40 episodes for 10 bucks for, you know, hours and hours. Uh, anyway, um, if you listen to the early episodes, I used to eat, because we used to record in the middle of the afternoon, because yeah. we're both unemployed. Yeah. Um, or maybe you were at working at Blockbuster at the time, but... I worked at Blockbuster uh, until episode, I think, 13 or 14. Okay. Um, yeah, and I was working at the Arclight. Uh, so, yeah, we had free time in the middle of the day, and I would always eat... A, t- a burger from Tommy's because mm-hmm. there was one right on the corner from my apartment before we recorded. Yeah. So right off the bat, this is a throwback episode because I just had this delicious, t- delicious uh, Tommy's chili chili cheeseburger. Um, secondly, we're not at our table with yeah. our mic stands and our little like mouse pads that say Battleship Retention. That's like our normal setup because I'm an idiot and I forgot to bring some of the equipment. Um, we're sitting in chairs leaning back, looking at each other, holding the mics in our hands yeah. like we did forever. Uh, so this this episode, you know, it, it's it's fitting because I've been reading our listener, Darren, uh, his Tumblr. Oh, yeah. Um, which is called ayearofbp.tumblr.com, mm-hmm. in which he is listening to and writing about uh, one episode every day. Yeah. And he is... Kept uh, kept it up. What's it? He's on like day seventy or seventy one or something like that. Uh, I believe he just did eighty eight. Eighty eight. Jeez yeah. Louise. I'm a little, maybe I'm a little behind. Um, it's fantastic. Go to a year of VP. It's very fun to. It's and that's the thing. I mean, for you and for for uh, you and me, we can just go to the Tumblr, read, and be like, "Oh, that's fun." Darren is listening. Think about it. He's listened to us. For at least an hour a day, for the last eighty-eight days, yeah. I'm hoping he did what I recommended, and he's actually banked some that he that he listened a few days ahead, so he doesn't have because he, he's going to end up hitting these like three-hour episodes. That's true. Point. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, check out check out Darren's Tumblr. Yeah, it's a it's a, a whole lot of fun. Did I tell you that I met Darren? No. Where'd you meet him? Disneyland. He, he doesn't is, live there, though. He does not live there, to my knowledge. Okay. Um, I don't know. Maybe he lied to me, but. Uh, <laughs> But the, um, yeah, he and his wife were visiting Disneyland on a day that I, that Jen and I were planning on going to Disneyland. And so I thought. That's not that much of it. Like, you guys go a lot. We go, we go pre- usually about once a month, uh, not during the summer, obviously. But, because uh, it's just too busy and our passes don't work. Right. But, uh, and so I just thought, you know, if it were a random listener uh, that said, I'm going to Disneyland, I, did, I, I enjoy meeting listeners, but. This is Disneyland. Right. I enjoy your wife. Yeah. I enjoy just going to Disneyland more. <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, but because it's somebody who has certainly invested uh, in, in the show. Yeah. Um, I thought, ah, sure, this will be fun. And so we, uh, we sat and talked and had lunch and then it was nice. Where'd you have lunch? 
Um, let's see. I believe it is the Taste Pilots Grill. Uh, is that in Tomorrowland? No, it's in uh, uh, Condor Flats in uh, California Adventure. Oh, I've never been to California Adventure. Oh, I think you would enjoy it. That's what I hear. But here's the th- this is okay. Disneyland talk. All right, real Disneyland talk. Everybody, okay. everybody, buckle up. Um, get comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one day at California Adventure costs as much as one day at Disneyland, and yet the park is smaller. So I, the reason I've never been to California Adventure is because it's not like you get less for your money. I'm trying to think if that's true anymore. I mean, ever since I mean they added Cars Land. That's a California Adventure. That is a California Adventure, and it's great. I really like Cars Land. I've seen lots of pictures. Um, and uh, gosh, I'm trying to think if that if that is actually true. I think there's probably at this point as much to do in California Adventure as there is at Disneyland proper. Um, I think I enjoy Disneyland more just because the types of rides that are there are more atmospheric and they're mm-hmm. more creative. Is there um, better food at California Adventure though? That is because as far as I'm concerned, only in the old New Orleans area, that's the only place I eat when I'm at Disneyland. Well, Jen all, and I all get the good be- food is there. Jen and I get beignets. There's basically two, possibly three staples when we go to Disneyland. We get beignets. Uh-huh. At some point, we're going to go to one of the pop uh, popcorn uh, vendors okay. and buy some popcorn, and it's going to be piping hot and delicious. Okay, and then uh, we'll go to this uh, little if we want actual food, and there's quotes around that obviously uh we get like a, a hot dog from uh, this one place but but no that's what i'm saying the, the, there's actual food to be had at those places oh, in sure. new orleans you can get gumbo i don't know if you like gumbo but you I, can, I don't um and you, you, you know can, what i don't know i've never had gumbo i looking at other people eating it <laughs> i just like there's nothing about this it's seems delicious yeah. um and also of course the blue bayou is in uh, uh, that's the true new yes. orleans area yes and there's there's a lot to eat in in California Adventure and okay. uh, and you know a lot I've of never had a lot healthier options over there. Uh, I don't care about that. Okay, uh, I just ate it. Just wolfed down a chili cheeseburger yeah. while we were setting up. Also, um, nobody goes to Disneyland to, to eat, healthy. eat healthy. Yeah, um, you know, I've, I've never had a corn dog at Disneyland. I hear they're fantastic. I hear it's like a thing. I haven't had a corn dog, and I'm going to say ten to fifteen years. Oh, you're missing out. Corn dogs are delicious. You know. Every once in a while, I guess when you're me, and there's only so many things you allow yourself to eat anyway. That almost sounds like it's a health option. It isn't. Um, I find I do get burned out on certain foods. Some of them mm-hmm. staying strong. Um, peanut butter toast. Staple. I haven't. I've not had peanut butter toast since. Now that for the December un- of 2011. Wow. For the uninitiated, it's, it's just toast with peanut butter on it. Yeah, but if you call, but we call it peanut butter toast. It does these days. <laughs> you know, in the days of uh, genetic foods uh-huh. and Monsanto. Sure. Is that the name of it. Monsanto. Sure. Yeah. Um, and is it, there's like a, to say? there's like an artisanal toast restaurant now. Is there really? Yeah, I was reading about it somewhere oh or I was gosh. starting to read about it and toast then rolling inf- my eyes. Toast infused with peanut butter. That might bring me back. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. People might think that's what it is. Okay. No, in this case, it's just toast with peanut butter on it. It's been so long since I've had it. We actually, I don't even know where our toaster is anymore. It, when we, we moved it, uh, to the house, but I don't know where it is, which huh. is strange. But, uh, but when I was younger and, and, just there are certain things that I would eat every, like every day, uh, like in the lunchroom and stuff like that. And uh, the day would come when it's just I would just think, OK, this is uh, this is the end of this. Uh, I don't want it anymore. Uh-huh. Uh, for example, Funyuns. I used to I never for, liked for, Funyuns for probably six months in my freshman year of high school. I ate Funyuns 
every day. Mm-hmm. I would eat Funyuns and then one of those cookies that's never cooked enough uh, and uh, a Hawaiian punch. That but was mine. Never cooked enough in a good way? Uh, Where it's like hot and gooey? A little too gooey. Like it oh, okay. feels like it's it's not done. Oh, feel, okay. A little too I mean, rare. Yeah, that's not a little good. too rare. And uh, and then a Hawaiian punch. Uh, I got sick of the cookies first. Mm-hmm. Then I got sick of the Funyuns and, and then probably a Hawaiian punch shortly thereafter. So that whole meal was out. I, I never liked Funyuns and I never liked Hawaiian punch. But let me tell you why I never liked Funyuns. Okay. I'm not like... Like I said, I just wolfed down a chili cheeseburger. I'm not like a foodie. Right. Really. Like, I like to eat, but I'm not picky, mm-hmm. you know? I like, I can enjoy high-end stuff as much as I enjoy fast food. Yeah. Um, I am picky when it comes to onion rings. Oh, I, fair enough. I say I like onion rings, and I do. When onion rings are done right, they're one of my favorite things in the world. But shitty onion rings are uh, just repellent to me. I can't stand them. I do not like onions in general. I do enjoy the occasional onion ring, but now if they're done a certain way, I'm intrigued to know if my definition of done right is the same as well, yours. Have what you, is yours. Have you been to vicious dogs in North Hollywood? I have the hot dog place. Have you had their onion rings? I believe I tried some, but those are amazing. I thought they were pretty good. Those are amazing. Yeah. I think the best I like onion rings when, okay. that I can think of in Los Angeles are the Astro burger by Paramount studios. Okay. I don't know if you've ever, I know you've been there cause you and I have been there together. I don't know yeah. if you got their onion rings. I did not. Uh, they're yeah made on the premises they're uh delicious i think i like it uh one of the things that i object to about onions is <laughs> i don't like how crunchy they are okay um and so good and good onion rings they're they're like cooked so thoroughly or probably fried i'd say uh that the onions almost liquefy a little bit i see what you mean yeah and uh and the crunch is all on the batter and uh th- that's pretty good yeah i guess that's what you're looking for i don't know yeah. I, I like to I like to still know it's an onion, just like the In-N-Out fries are among my favorite French fries because it still tastes like a potato. Whereas if you go to like a lot of fast food places, it tastes more like the grease they cooked it in than the thing it started its life as. Fair enough. I'm I tend to like the the artificial stuff more. Uh, I don't <laughs> like grapes, but I'll eat or drink grape anything, uh, including Propel Zero. I but, don't like grapes or grape flavored stuff. Yeah, corn dogs. I don't like fruit. We're, what are we talking about? Food. By the way, yeah, <laughs> this is not like this is our top of the show discussion because we didn't have one picked. We had a guest cancel on us, by the way. Everybody. Oh yeah, we should say yeah. This is kind of we're kind of winging it because we had a very like really last minute cancellation. Yeah. Uh, today we were supposed to be recording with a guest, so we are kind of winging it. But we do have a topic. Yeah, which we'll get to in a moment. Uh, but first, I will say uh, the reason I went to that Funyuns thing is because uh, corn dogs was that. Uh, I okay. used to eat a lot of corn dogs when I was younger and then one day came and i just thought i don't like any of this anymore i'll go back to a regular hot dog i'm fine with that but uh this corn dog thing is out and so i haven't had one in probably about 15 years you know um i i, I love corn dogs and we, uh, we will get to our sponsor and then the topic in a second mm-hmm. um i do love corn dogs um but it, it's perilous eating them oh okay because the feeling of wood on my tongue mm-hmm. it's it's the equivalent of nails on a chalkboard to me. Oh, it's, I hear you. I hate that so much that when I eat a corn dog, I'm like going out of my way. I recently, um, because apparently my workplace is an elementary school, we had a fire drill and then they gave us all ch- uh, ice cream bars. <laughs> like we had to go stand outside. And then like when we came back in, they had like a cooler full of these like Hagen dazs ice cream bars. You were all uh, so good during yeah. the fire drill. And I was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, and I ate this whole delicious ice cream bar, but then right last bite, the wood thing like scraped against my tongue. 
I have no memory of that ice cream bar being good now. The yeah. whole memory is tainted for me Absolutely. because of that one moment. I so absolutely know what you mean about the, the, the wood on the on the tongue because it's just it's not it's not a good grain anyway. It's one grain going against another because there's yeah. a grain to your tongue as well. But uh, I always feel like if I got a splinter right now, <laughs> what do I do? Yeah. I have to pull it out. I don't know how to do that. Uh, I hate it so much that like two days later, I will still like swear that I can taste it when it happens because <laughs> I hate it so much. So anyway, that's the problem with corn dogs, but I still love corn dogs. I still risk it. It's worth it to you. Yeah. Oh boy. All right. Should we talk about what else is going on? Nothing. Uh, Hang on. Is that true? The LA Film Fest is going on. I was there. I got last night. I saw, and we'll do another uh, full episode at some point, but mm-hmm. it'll be our Wrap-up episode will be a little bit delayed yeah. uh, for scheduling reasons. So, uh, yeah, I got to see an outdoor screening of um, two Buster Keaton uh, films last night. Cops. I was, I was unable to go. I wanted to, but I wasn't able to. Um, I saw Cops, which I had never seen before, and I saw Sherlock Jr., which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've made this point before, actually, um, going all the way back to when we did an episode on Buster Keaton. Buster Keaton is known as a... was a, a director performer of silent comedy, mm-hmm. but he, he's also to me, one of the forefathers of action movies. Oh, no question. It, you know, and I'd forgotten that there's the, that whole motorcycle chase sequence in Sherlock mm-hmm. Jr. You know, and it's still comedic because he, if people who don't know, he's riding on the handlebars while his like manservant, his valet or whatever is yeah. driving around and they hit a bump and his valet goes a flying lands yeah. in a puddle and the motorcycle just keeps going for a long time. Uh, with him on it and it's like weaving in and out of traffic and jumping over bridges and there's all kinds of really amazing stuff and it has a real propulsive feel to it uh and of course i mean the general to me is more an i love the i love it but it's more an action movie than a comedy to me it's more about the that that pulse quickening uh tension and and that forward momentum than anything else well and that's i mean that's uh certainly i certainly uh uh, Keaton, but I also Lloyd was a big uh, stunt guy as well. His stuff, uh, he seemed to understand that, oh, uh, you can get laughs any number of ways, and uh, I'll take nervous laughter. I'll take uh, a release of uh, horrible tension. I'll, I'll do that. I mean, if you watch Safety Last, have you seen it? I've never seen Safety Last, actually. Uh, if you watch Safety Last, even now, I mean, we've seen any number of thrills in, in film now, but if you watch it, there there's a moment when uh so he's up on this on the ledge of this building and as tends to happen in i don't know every silent comedy uh, mm-hmm. a mouse runs up his pants because uh, that's just <laughs> how it goes um and the way that he's like so he's going all over the place and he just gets he gets a half an inch from the edge uh-huh. and he's he's being spastic enough that you think there's no way he's not going over that edge it's uh-huh. not possible and i watched it with a group of people uh for my movie night a, a couple years ago and ever everybody i mean they had audible reactions to that even though we all know well it, silent com- people tend not to die a horrible death <laughs> right. in <silent> comedy, <laughs> but you don't think about that you only think like oh oh okay oh jeez ah. Like I, I sweat when uh-huh. I watch it. It's just boy, it's a, it's a wonder. It's it's a wonderful film. Can I ask you a question about uh, stunts and Buster Keaton? You're more of a Buster Keaton scholar than I okay. am. Okay, in Cops. Yeah. Now there's one part where he's like 
on a ladder that's balanced on the side of the fence, and there are cops on both sides, and he's going up and down. Yeah. At one point, it like gets pulled down, and he goes shooting through the air. Mm-hmm. And there's some sort of effect there. Either he's on a, I don't know if he's like if there's a hidden wire or if mm-hmm. he or if they're doing like a stop motion type thing to make it look like he's going through the air. That's clearly an effect. But earlier, before that, I think it's before that. Maybe it's after that. But another part in the movie, he's standing in the middle of the street with cops coming at him both ways yeah. and a car comes by and he grabs a hold of the passing car. Yeah. Did he really do that? Uh, if I had to guess, uh-huh. I would say yes. <laughs> a resounding... Because it looks really convincing and uh, really yeah. unbelievable. And th- Yeah, now that you mention it, I can absolutely picture it. I, I know what you're talking about. And uh, yeah, I think he probably did. He, he tended... As much as he could, he would put himself in harm's way. I'm sure I told you that story about him breaking his neck on the yeah. set of Sherlock Jr. Um, oh, was that what it was? It was Sherlock Jr.? Yeah. Well, you know, he's running along the train there, and uh-huh. then the train ends, and he falls right, on the yeah, track. Yeah. And what happened was he fell. Uh, I think it, I think he might have done it a couple of times because right. he's insane. Uh, well, first one of the he, times he runs he on the end, and then he grabs a hold of the water thing and then falls. Okay. All right. And so... Maybe he, in another take, he didn't get the water thing. Perhaps. Yes. And so the uh he fell and landed where one of the one of the rails of the railroad oh, right. hit the back of his neck and broke uh, and broke his neck Oof. but obviously not in a way that uh he realized for years yeah all he knew was uh hey there's a blinding pain in the back <laughs> of my neck oh well got to keep going uh man um well yeah the the car thing but even it's not even to me about him putting himself in hard to win but it's like how did he hold on you yeah, know? I don't know like i feel like if I grabbed it, even if you set up a handle, like built it into the back of the car as it yeah. goes by so I can grab onto it, the force of it is going to yank yank the car free. I'm not going to be able to hold on or it's going to yank my shoulder out of the socket, yeah, which it probably did. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, if anything, and I don't know the, the details about that. I could look it up, but uh, yeah, I, I would say it's entirely possible he hurt himself yeah. doing that. But you know what? works but the thing about buster keaton we're talking about him being an action director and doing these stunts but he was also just funny in uh, you know other more regular ways oh, yeah. there's a part in sherlock jr you'll know what i'm talking about if you've seen it you know but here's the scene anyway he's a projectionist he's mm-hmm. up in the projection booth of the movie theater with a girl yeah. and he's taking his cues from the on-screen couple yeah. as far as like what to, how to make his move so yeah. the guy on screen like grabs the girl by the shoulders turns her toward him then takes her hands and clasps them in between his so buster keaton turns the girl toward him takes her hands clasps them and then in the most telegraphed most obvious way very intently turns to the screen to see what <laughs> yeah. to do next and i lost it it's like one of the biggest laughs in the movie and it's just him turning to the left oh yeah it's uh <laughs> it's it's delightful and you know it's i mean people talk about you know the great stone face and all that and then he doesn't <laughs> He doesn't show a lot. He's kind of uh, in, inexpressive, uh-huh. unexpressive. I don't know. Oh well, who cares? And so, um, disexpressive. Sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's not true. He merely didn't smile or grimace. He's tremendously expressive. Uh-huh. Sometimes through widening his eyes or an extended blink or mm-hmm. what he could do with his eyebrows or or that kind of thing or when he chose to open his mouth just a little bit. Uh, it's. I mean, don't get me wrong. He still made the choice to not show too much emotion. But within that, it made you watch even closer. And then you would pick up 
very small things. Not right. that him looking at the screen was a small thing. And that, but, maybe that's why it works so well is because he does these small expressions the whole movie. Yeah. And at this point, it's just so big that it's, yeah. uh, it's hilarious. It's one. Anyway, yes. we're off track. Um, did you send me the copy for the ad? I did. All right. Um, what else, uh, what else is going on? while I look up this copy. Uh, nothing. Okay. Well, uh, everybody prepare for 15 seconds of silence. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, yeah, I haven't done anything. I haven't seen anything. I went to Minnesota, and that was uh, that was a lot of fun. I will say, and I don't want to say this because it'll get us uh, off uh, on too much of a tangent. Um, I haven't watched David Letterman in a long time. Okay. Uh, no, thank you. Oh, what's happened? He just. I'll say that, uh, except for when he interacts with Paul Schaefer, his heart doesn't seem to be in it. And I know that he always kind of held himself back a little bit and always had sort of a detached uh, bemusement at things, but. Now it seems very phoned in, and he doesn't seem to really believe in any of the jokes. And he always would tell a kind of a cheesy joke and then laugh at the fact that the joke mm-hmm. was cheesy. But now it really just seems like he's phoning it in, and it's just, I don't know, maybe it's that he's gotten old, maybe he just got comfortable. Um, but yeah, it's a real bummer. Yeah. Because you don't know it's a bummer that our friend uh, Pete Holmes had his show canceled. I am I am uh, sad about that. Uh, the one consolation, though, is that maybe he'll be more available and he can be back on Battleship Retention. <laughs> That's how you think? Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, here's what I think. I think this episode is brought to you by the Double Feature Podcast. In fact, I know it is. Okay, there you go. Uh, this week, they're talking about storytelling, the movie, not the concept, and Mr. Lonely. They discuss filmmakers that explore similar themes but don't like each other. They talk about sexuality and youth, the return of American movie, and looking too deeply into a film. No, can't do that. Just no such Impossible. Thing. No such thing. Uh, to no, hear no this, point in listening to that episode now. We've, we've come to the conclusion. <laughs> to hear this and other episodes, just go to www.doublefeatureshow.com or click on the ad at www.battleshippretension.com. I just hate you so much. <laughs> HTTP <laughs> colon slash slash, right? Not not backslash. I believe it's a forward slash. Yeah. You don't. Do, there's no backslashes in web addresses, right? Backslashes is for like coding right. and stuff. Yes, I believe so. I don't yeah. know. I don't know stuff like that. But when you said there's no backslashes, I was like in baseball. <laughs> no, in tag. It had that vibe to it. No tag backs. No backslashes. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right uh talk about tweaked um yeah uh our other um, we try not to we try not to uh pile bunch. all the ads on top of each other yeah but yeah. unfortunately we did not plan this out uh, again we're winging it yeah um uh yeah check out um tweakedaudio.com that's where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of styles and colors we really do stand by them um it's t-w-e-a-k-e-d audio.com and if you go to tweakedaudio.com slash pretension you get all that for one third off and you don't you don't have to pay any shipping charges it's tweakedaudio.com slash pretension all right so um here's what i'm going to talk about this week we'll keep it short but um a couple of years ago, you may have remembered, uh, I was the uh, one of the one of the cranky, uh, grumpy pantses who didn't like Twenty One Jump Street very much. I was one of the few, but you kind of came around on it. Too, yeah, so when I rewatched time. some most of it, uh, but I think sometimes that happens with a movie, especially a comedy that you don't like the first time. Yeah, you go in knowing what you didn't like, and so it's not a surprise, you know. Yeah. 
I'm wondering if the same thing will happen with neighbors because everyone liked neighbors and I couldn't stand it. Yeah. But I'm wondering if I, if I go in with knowing what my, where my expectation should be knowing what the movie is, if I'll be more able to just laugh at the jokes. Mm hmm. And I think that was the problem with 21 Jump Street is I was too distracted by all of the stuff I didn't like about it um, to enjoy the fact that there are plenty of good jokes in 21 Jump Street. But now 22 Jump Street is out. I have no reservations, almost no reservations about saying uh, it's fantastic and it's an improvement all right. on on the original. And it's also very much a sequel about the fact that it's a sequel and kind of about sequels in general. Yeah. Um, uh, so that led me to think of uh, the last minute topic of sequels that we think are better than the original. All right. Now I'm sticking with just part twos, uh, in my mind. I don't know if you, uh, I've got a couple, I have a couple of threes in here. Um, I actually, in one case I have a three and a four. You can probably guess what that is, but, um, I can't Indiana right. Jones. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> three and a four. It's not alien. It is not. What series has a three and a four that are better than the first two? In my opinion. The Harry, Harry Potters? Uh, no. Because um, four is actually maybe my least favorite Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, is it a recent series? This is fun for it's no It's me. lasted for a while. Listeners, I'm sure, got it immediately. But it's been, it's been going for, uh, for... So it's still going. And yeah. there, are, there are four of them? There are four of them. And you liked the last two better than the first two. Certainly. Man, I have no it's clue. been going for almost 20 years. I have literally no clue. All right. Would you venture to say that it is impossible for you to figure it out? <laughs> Mission Impossible. <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> I never saw uh, the Brad Bird one. Um, oh, really? Ghost yeah. Protocol? Yeah. It's, Ghost it Protocol. is really, really that, that's good. That's what I hear. I think um, you'd like it a lot. But I'm a big fan of J.J. Abrams' yeah. uh, film. Okay. Um but uh, now I want to I want to talk a little just a little bit more about Twenty Two Jump Street. I'm not doing an actual review for the website. Okay. Um, but I think uh, I was in the first couple scenes when I realized how heavily how heavily they were leaning on the like um, self referential the ness of it. You know, yeah. like how heavily they were hitting the fact that this is this is a sequel. We're talking about things in barely coded terms to be self aware. Uh, about the fact that it's a sequel, I was a bit turned off because I was my fear, or maybe my assumption was that oh they're just being cute here as a way of trying to dodge the blame for making a shitty sequel by admitting that they're making a shitty sequel, you know. Yeah. And that's what I thought it was going to be. But really, the way that the sequel thing, the references to sequels, uh, changes over the course of the movie and actually informs the movie in a lot of ways, yeah. uh, is really smart and almost a little bit, I guess, um, analytical about, uh, what sequels are and what we, uh, what we think we want from sequels is often the exact thing that disappoints us about sequels. Well, and that's actually, uh, some of the reviews that I read and you can speak to this, uh, more directly, obviously, but, um, the idea that, uh, a thing that is emphasized throughout the film by the uh, the department is mm -hmm. no, just do things the way you did them before. <laughs> yeah. It worked before. Do that, but them doing that actually makes it harder for them to solve the case and yeah. not easier. Yeah, and so that is a commentary on sequel the sequel mentality. Yeah, um, and the, and certainly the studio mentality of just give us more of this. Yeah, uh, and a good number, and that's the thing, and a good number of the sequels on my list. Um, I mean, you and I have spoken in, uh, 
pretty frequently in the past about uh, filmmakers who direct a very successful film. The studio gives them more money and a freer hand. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure the studio just wanted more of that. But the filmmaker says, I'm going to do something different. Uh, And sometimes to disappointing box office to sometimes not. Um, And I would venture to say all the movies on my list here are maybe not better than the original, but often as good because precisely because they're not trying to just do the same thing as Mm -hmm. the original. They're trying to use the opportunity and probably use the budget to explore this more. And so, uh, so when I heard just how not merely meta, you know, meta mm-hmm. humor goes only so far yeah. with me. Um, and that's the thing is, you know, for example, uh, Cabin in the Woods, some people say it's merely meta. I think it actually is a commentary on art in general, but, um, and our expectations of it and, and that sort of thing. Mm. And so, uh, so it's not, it's not, when I heard that it wasn't merely meta, but actually turned out to be a commentary on itself and a rather scathing indictment of studios and studio Uh mentality, I I was very excited to see it. Yeah, And it also, I think, having... uh, I feel like like the impetus to make the first 21 Jump Street was, let's do, you know, the um, umpteen millionth uh, reboot of, uh, you know, an 80s or early 90s franchise. Yeah. But let's actually try to make it good or actually try to make it funny. Yeah was uh you know what's what i'm looking for commendable i guess um or or at least noble um but uh it only got them so far where the thing my my main problem with 21 jump street yeah i feel like they moved away from that after the initial setting of the premise yeah but my main problem with 21 jump street is there's just too much improvisation yeah and as a story it doesn't entirely hang together um there are there are little things that just don't make any sense Mm -hmm. uh that uh, i don't like the idea that i'm not supposed to wonder why the school play takes place in the middle of a school day like yeah but somehow there are like parents and students there like that's not how it works i did plays like but we, we did do a matinee we always did a matinee during the school day during the school day on uh thursday or friday i don't remember exactly but was it opening night like i I feel like it just seems so odd to me that and anyway that's the kind of thing i'm talking about in 21 jump street that that bothered me that that they were there's there's too too shambolic and improvisational uh at the expense of um some just plot logistics uh, and I don't like the implication that well it's a comedy I, I don't have to care about that I don't like that at all um Whereas 22 Jump Street, by having not only just this initial impulse of let's make a sequel about sequels, but also let's follow through. Let's mm-hmm. really hit every point and see this through uh, uh, throughout the story and talk about how the sequel, the, you know, the, the terms of sequelness are dictating the plot yeah. at points A, B, C, and all the way down, gives it more of a through line um, and... Uh, uh, it keeps it on track in a way that makes it uh, makes it much better than the first one. There is also uh, Channing Tatum 
takes a dig and goes to an, they go to an open mic at the college it's a, it's in college mm-hmm. and Channing Tatum has some words about the improv troupe that performs uh-huh. that made me think like okay I think that was specifically for people like me who were put off by uh by the uh overuse of improvisation in the first one now what's what's interesting what's interesting to me is that this winds up being uh almost ironic that this it sounds like the studio was willing to let them do whatever they wanted for the sequel and so they chose to act as though that weren't the case <laughs> right <laughs> isn't that odd uh yeah i mean the, these guys phil lord and chris miller is that not their names lord it's lord and miller yeah do I have their name, first names right? I don't know. I thought it was Bob and Henry. <laughs> okay. Um, that's I don't fine. actually that's think fine. that. I just chose yeah. <laughs> uh, random first I thought names. it was Milo and Otis. Um, oh, my. Now you just made me sad. I've never seen Milo and Otis. Yeah. Uh, I, don't remember, I don't remember which one's the cat, but apparently they went through a lot of them. <laughs> that's very sad. Yes, it is. Uh, as an animal lover. All right. Um, so, sequels that are better than the original. I was going somewhere with that. I don't remember what it was oh you know what i will let you uh because i already feel like with the things you were saying about um having a freer hand mm-hmm. uh lead me to think you're maybe going to bring up bride of frankenstein uh i will but i Batman was actually going Batman to returns of course um but actually i want to talk about real quick one example this isn't a some like fantastic sequel but uh it's one that took it essentially just took the first one and amped everything up about it that worked okay um and i don't think you've even seen this uh it's the transporter 2 oh yeah no um because the the first transporter is like how many have there been three i think there are three and then okay. there was a tv series as well which oh, I, I didn't see. know that um and i actually didn't see transporter 3 but like the first transporter like it takes place just on the edges of a world where that's realistic and that physics work you know yeah. there's some things that are um, that stretch the limits a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's still technically in the realm of reality. Whereas the transporter two just makes everything so much bigger to the point where it's, uh, it's almost cartoonish in a good way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a part, um, when he's driving his car cause he drives, that's what he does. Right. Um, and then he realizes there's a bomb on the bottom of his car that's taking down. It's going to go off Yeah, and he's driving the car. He drives, into a construction site goes off some like conveniently placed ramp like there always are in these movies oh, of course somehow manages even though this doesn't make any sense to turn the car sideways in midair as he passes a crane and the crane scrapes the bomb off the bottom <laughs> and then he's somehow able to right the car again and land and drive off while the bomb explodes in midair it's an amazing sequence that doesn't make any sense but it's that's uh representative of the kind of movie the tra- that transporter 2 is just a just a balls out fun time that, that is you know i feel like maybe we should do an episode about this because it's something i've been thinking about a lot lately movies that are stupid but good uh-huh because I th- i'd say by and large certainly when i was younger and, and probably even now uh there are movies that i say i would just i would just talk about how if a movie is stupid of course it's not good uh-huh. and i'd say by and large i think that's true but there are movies that are stupid but I want, like, if the, in the Transporter 2, like, that didn't happen by accident. Like, they made the choice to make that kind of movie, so is it really stupid? You know right, what I mean? But, absolutely. But that's, but they just as easily could have made a movie with that, and of course I haven't seen it, so what do I know, but uh, made a movie with that manic 
energy mm-hmm. and di- and not have something as inherently stupid <laughs> as that sequence. Yeah. Like it's still possible to capture that tone uh-huh. uh, and not have that have a character who wills the car sideways. <laughs> yeah. Who is like, yeah, you, you can crank the wheel all you want. Crank. You can crank the wheel all you want in midair. Yeah. It won't actually do anything. Um, but yeah, I feel like there's a, an episode in there somewhere. Oh, yeah, I didn't think about it more, but, um, yeah. And so, uh, I did actually, I wanted to use, um, I wanted to use 22 jump street in the idea of being given a free hand, a much larger budget to make a movie that is arguably better than the first and winds up being a commentary on the first and about so many other things. And I will bring up gremlins too. Oh, uh, well you took one off my list. Sorry, obviously, David, that's a- the new batch I'm talking yeah, about. I'm talking, um, I, know. I love the first gremlins. Mm-hmm. I think it's really great. And I think it works really well as a, as a, a scary comedy and the, mo- and there are moments that are genuinely scary. And moments that are genuinely not, I mean, there are moments that are genuinely funny, but also, um, it, it, it walks the line of being a horror parody as well. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Um, the way that it, yeah. Anyway. And, and there are actual like heartfelt moments between characters. Uh Gremlins two comes along. It's straight up comedy. I mean, and it winds up mocking the heartfelt moments from the first (laughs) film, which is, which is amazing. And, you wind up feeling kind of like a sucker for liking the first one after you watch the second one. Um, but it's, uh, I, I recently watched, uh, my friends and I watched the two gremlin movies, although I, I showed up only in the last 20 minutes of the, the first one. Cause I was at the, uh, the pod festival, but, um, but we watched gremlins too and I hadn't seen it in a while and I love it more every time I see it <laughs> because I just, from the inclusion of Hulk Hogan uh-huh. <laughs> to Tony Randall to uh, doing a voice to just the sheer insanity of the building itself having mm-hmm. a personality. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just it's astounding to me, the stuff that Joe Dante did and that the studio let him do. It did not do well, uh, financially. I didn't know that. Um, it certainly didn't do as well as the first one. I mean, I think I think the the studio considered it maybe not a flop, but I think they considered it something of a failure. And um, but I think as as happens a lot. As I was making this list, uh, I found that in a lot of these cases, I have a hard time thinking in terms of better. There are there are times when I prefer the sequel more, but the filmmaker is trying to do something so different with the sequel Mm -hmm. that I have a hard time even comparing the two. Well, um, the thing with Gremlins two and why the reason I like it better, that's the new batch. Mm -hmm. Um, thank you. Uh, you and I generally come from a pretty auteurist point of view. Absolutely. Uh, we actually got a long email from uh, a friend of your, a friend of ours, but a friend of yours. Yeah. You saw the email that I'm talking about. I did. Yes. About, um, it's very self indulgent. (laughs) I thought it was, uh, oh yeah, I forgot we're supposed to make fun of that guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I thought it was really good, um, uh, and it was about our Edgar Wright thing and our sort of our talk about Edgar Wright and our sort of assumption that Ant Man will be worse 
and that uh, worse because the studio is taking taking it over. Yeah. Um, and that's because we're our tourists. That's yeah. It's where we tend to fall. It helps us to define this intangible uh, artistic thing. Um, which, by the way, I don't know if you've seen. The and new, maybe we're a little too cut and dry about it, but uh, I feel like, it's possible. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've seen the rumors about why Edgar Wright left. Oh no, it wasn't. Again, these are unsubstantiated, but uh, it wasn't Marvel messing with the screenplay to ensure continuity. That was something he had already, you know, signed off on. It was actually Disney, and it was about product placement. Interesting. Um, again, these are just rumors. Okay, but um, I guess he was told according to the rumors Edgar Wright was told that he would have um final say over he knew there was going to be product placement I don't think he you know can't yeah. but he, he said he was going to have final say over how products were used in the movie and um Disney reportedly was not keeping its word and that was mm. that was what uh what did it again all rumors but it's um interesting to me and it Episode, makes more sense are coming up right and left cuz I would like to do an episode about product placement yeah we should Anyway, um, what were we saying? Okay, so the thing about Gremlins 2, the thing about Gremlins is that it's a screenplay by Chris Columbus mm-hmm. um, that's not directed by Chris Columbus. It's directed by Joe Dante, and these are both... Um, obviously, you can have great films where they're written and directed by different people. I'm not saying that... Sure. I'm not saying that writer-director is more pure. Um, I don't want to... Oh, that could be an episode we could talk about someday, but um, I don't think that's, that's true, but um, I think... We're talking about slightly different sensibilities, you know, um, Chris Columbus, or at least like the young Chris Columbus, um, who, you know, he grew into a different kind of filmmaker, mm-hmm. but, uh, I think he, he very much wanted it to be, um, the, the sort of the genre spoof that I'm talking about, the, the sort of, uh, rough edged, uh, horror parody. Yeah. Um, that that apparently Chris Columbus's original script would have been hard R rated. It was very, very bloody. Um, and then you've got Joe Dante who can do like horror and do violence, but he's got a much more of a, um, uh, I, <laughs> I think of Joe Dante as essentially being like a, um, less harmful version of the Joker in that he just wants to like, uh, fuck up everything and have a good time doing it, oh, you yeah. know, but not like it's a controlled chaos. Cause his, his films still hang together, mm-hmm. it, you know, but, uh, the sense of the buoyancy and exuberance that comes from a, uh, Joe Dante film, um, might have clashed with Chris Columbus's original idea of that screenplay. And so as good as Gremlins is, I think it's, it's sort of about, it, it's sort of a compromised version of two different visions. Whereas the new batch is, an autorist masterpiece yeah. that could not be more from the id of Joe Dante. Absolutely. It's one of the most Joe Dante films, if not the most Joe Dante film that he's ever made. Uh, I would say that is true. Although, I mean, he really, I mean, I forget, have we done a profile on him? No, we haven't. I feel like that's an oversight on our part because uh, so many of his movies have that. And I was actually just about to bring up The Howling, which I don't think he actually, again, I don't think he wrote it. But even that has a a certain quality to it that he would return to and seemed interested in, which is, you know, it's it's a werewolf movie. And up until that point, if there's a werewolf movie, the care, the, if you're a werewolf, 
you're tortured, uh-huh. you hate this, and you want to die. And that's, the, you know, in, in the various Wolfman sequels, Lauren, poor Lawrence Talbot, all he wants to do is die. That is his goal. <laughs> it's a very, it's, it, you know, it's kind of interesting and very tragic. Uh, whereas in The Howling, Joe Dante seems to, now he doesn't treat it as a comedy, but he seems to say, you know, I could see some people having fun with this. Uh-huh. I think some people would enjoy it. I'm going to explore that. And in that same way, he seemed to return to that over and over of, well, why do we have to do it like this? Why can't we have fun? And so uh, that's an instance where the characters themselves took on the Joe Dante attitude yeah. uh, of things. Um, Before we move on, we, okay. uh, we should do a Joe Dante episode, if only so that what little impact you and I influence we hold over people maybe we can get more people to take Looney Tunes back in action seriously. Oh, sure. Because it's, you've seen it? Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. I love and it, it does not get the, uh, I mean, I feel like even among Joe Dante fans, sometimes it's thought of one of his lesser works, but it's, uh, it's a fantastic movie. Yeah. And he's, he'd been working to it his whole career. <laughs> yeah. Um, and matinee. That's the thing is his whole, his whole filmography, I'd say is something that I, I would champion and that yeah. I want people to see. Matinee is one, um, we're, see, we're already talking about we're doing our Joe Dante episode, but um, uh, I have this theory about um, sometimes it feels like uh, we can't really talk about a director's career until it's all the way over sometimes. Yeah. Because like if uh, I'm trying to think of an example, if Edgar Wright on the topic, um, if his next film, whatever his next film is, turns out to be uh not as great as his other ones. Not yeah. even, not like a failure, but just like a disappointment where I, I think our thought is, would be like, Oh no, is he like, is he losing it? You know, mm-hmm. or is he changing or whatever? Uh, but, um, those kind of films that are different than the other ones that are off a little bit in retrospect are some of the most interesting when you're looking at some, when you're looking at a retrospect of someone's career, Yeah, you know? So if I were, if I had been older and really following Giordante when matinee came out, I might not have, uh, been, it might not have meant as much to me as it does now, because I, hmm. I don't think matinee is, um, I don't want to say it's any worse. It's, it's different in some ways, I think than his other films in some ways. Um, uh, I mean, it has more, and maybe this is just m- me when I watch it, but it feels like a sadder film than his other stuff. Like it has sadness in it to me. Yes. Um, uh, huh. Would I say it is sadness? I, I think I might say melancholy, but even more so. Well, cause I feel like it's the, 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 um, the metaphor of the Cuban missile crisis and like yeah. nuclear annihilation awaiting to me seems like it's really to at least some of the characters about like, they're already mourning the loss of their childhood. They're I was going getting to say ready it's to mournful. Yeah. And, and so, um, uh, again, I don't want to sound like I'm like, I think of it as a lesser film, but if it had come out when I was following his career, I would have been like, huh <laughs> you know yeah uh, look, who, look who got serious yeah, yeah um which is a funny thing to say about matinee yeah. which is not a serious but um in retrospect i love matinee because it is this curio that stands out to me david we got another episode and that is when filmmakers decide to make movies about their own experience with movies uh whether it be uh hugo or i would say 
every movie Quentin Tarantino's ever made, <laughs> um, or that sort of thing. I feel like there's an episode in there too. Man, all right, this is very yeah. exciting. I hope someone's I hope writing, writing me down. down. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, uh, we'll move away. Since we've uh, only talked about one movie on our list, I feel like we. Should I talked move about on. Transporter Two. Fair enough. Um, yeah, but that wasn't on my list. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, what I think what I'll do real quick is I will bunch together a lot of the movies on my list into one thing. Um, and this is movies that, okay. Like for example, uh, aliens, there's a lot of people, I mean, I, to prepare for this at the last minute, I went online to see, well, what do what what do other people oh, think are the best? I wish best? I'd had time to do that. Yeah. What what are some of the other what are some of the movies that other people think are are better than their predecessor? And um and Aliens popped up a lot. I imagine two that I disagree with that probably popped up a lot. Yeah. Godfather two and Toy Story two. Uh yes. Although I do think Toy Story three is the best of the bunch, but I'm st- I'm sticking to part twos. You're allowed to, obviously to. Yeah, I did, I, I did other things, and so um. But also, I'd say so stuff like Bride of Frankenstein and Aliens, and that sort of thing. Now, admittedly, Aliens was made by a different filmmaker, uh-huh. but um, but I feel like there's a few movies on here that they're they are de- they're definitely sequels, but in a way, they're trying so so hard to be a different kind of movie. Yeah. Not merely be a follow-up. And, and this, the, I mean, we can transition from Gremlins too, because that's a good example of it. But as, it, as such, I think it winds up being hard to even compare the two and it, say one is better than the other. Another instance you, you for know, me... Which one, before you move on, I want to okay. bring up, because you mentioned Aliens 2 being a different director, but James Cameron did the same thing with the Terminator movies, I think. A Absolutely. lot of people think of Terminator 2 as being the better of the two. I don't... Yeah. I don't want to say either one's better or worse. I love them both, but the Terminator is a very sort of lean, almost, it almost has, uh, it's, uh, it has a foot in the slasher genre. The way that he's he's like Mike Myers and he keeps coming. Um, whereas Terminator two is this, it's almost Baroque. It's, it's, it's enormous. Um, they're very different movies that I, and I think I love them both equally. Actually, no, I think I like the first one better. Uh, having rewatched Terminator two recently, somewhat mm -hmm. recently, it didn't, uh, work for me as well as it there there are set pieces that work for me but it didn't work as a whole the way, the way it used to whereas the terminator being the first movie being again shorter and leaner uh it uh holds my attention a little better i think terminator 2 always works for me but the first one the here's the thing i i feel like when i watch them and this goes to what you're talking about i i have such different emotional reactions one is I would I would say horror and tension, uh-huh. and the other is just pure exhilaration, and that speaks to one is horror sci-fi and one is action sci-fi, and that goes to the alien and aliens right. thing. I feel like there are people who say, "Oh man, Aliens is so much better," and I remember reading uh, some book that talked about how Aliens leaves its predecessor in the cinematic dust, and part of me wants to say, "Okay, it is high. There's more ambition." There are more special effects. So there is that. But I, I feel like you can't even say it, it almost seems like apples and oranges to me. Uh, I almost feel like you can't actually compare them on the same. Yes, Ripley's a character, but Ripley's a very different character from one movie to the other. Yeah. And well, it's been 73 years. How long has it exa- been? Uh, 70? 57. Oh, 57. 57. And, um, but even so, they, they explore things 
in the character in aliens. It's one of the things that I like about it is they really take the time to develop that character. But whereas in the first one, we see her develop into a survivor. Um, but they're trying to do very different things. And so anybody who says that aliens is better, I'm not saying alien is better. Right. I'm saying they're so different that I would venture to say they, they both succeed in what they're trying to do, uh, completely. So when it comes down to it, I think it's a function of preference. And another one that I would say is Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. Everyone says The Dark Knight is better than Batman Begins, and I understand why. And but, I agree with them. But I think – now this one, of course, you know, written by – I mean, all the same cast written by the – this. oh, I'm sorry. There is one change. That's uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal from uh, Katie Holmes. Right. right. But uh, but yeah, same director and all that. And, and, and one is – was always uh, – it was always assumed there was going to be another one. I mean, uh-huh. he set it up in, in Batman Begins. Uh, but I do think uh, that there's that they're exploring different things. Now, I think that it makes perfect sense to compare the two and compare Dark Knight Rises and, and all that. But I think they're exploring different aspects of the character. Uh, one is setting up the character, not merely in an origin story, but also setting up his philosophy and the choices that he's going to make that will make him who he is. And then... So that's Batman Begins. Dark Knight uh, sets up almost uh, challenges him ideologically and and tests him. It tests all the stuff that the first one set up. So in many ways, it's a perfect sequel. But in the end, the thing that the stuff that that is thematically explored in Batman Begins, I prefer that to the stuff that is thematically explored in The Dark Knight. Both of them, I think, do what they are trying to do almost perfectly well but i think it comes down to a matter of preference yeah and i think if you're talking about that aspect of the movies only then yeah i can see where you're coming from to me the thing that what dark knight what the dark knight does right that both batman begins and dark knight rises don't do uh is the dark knight really keeps uh both of its villains at the forefront throughout the movie and compares you know you see you see two face go from like become two face yeah the joker is you know very uh very conspicuously there's no explanation there's no arc for him at all yeah i like that matter that that mirroring and i like that they're both there the whole time one of my maybe my biggest complaint about batman begins is that rajal ghoul is absent for so much of it mm-hmm. that um his status as theoretically the big bad of the movie is lost on me when he by the time he comes mm-hmm. back it doesn't feel like oh this is what we've been working up to it's like oh right that guy you know mm-hmm. uh it's like the end of uh girl with the dragon tattoo um ah yes uh and um i guess just talk more about dark knight rises would include spoilers even though it's been um, it's been two years yeah. <laughs> but uh I, I won't we're not talking about dark knight rises but it does similar things where uh I don't know. Just really, you know, once we're fight, once he's fighting, who's the big bad guy? It doesn't. Ha- you don't have the whole movie of building up uh, that, and both. Yeah. So both Batman Begins and Dark Knight Rises make that same mistake, and I think the the reason the Dark Knight works for as much as it is uh, episodic and um, longer than it probably needs to be, the reason that the movie holds together, I think, is because you've got the through lines with the villains. I mean, that's always the thing with. Uh, uh, a lot of superheroes is the villains are often more fun to watch um, or maybe even more interesting or something than the, uh, than the heroes. Um, and uh, that's why I like the dark Knight better. But, See, and and uh, I, and I, I, I think I prefer Batman begins much to my surprise because up until the, up until 
uh, Batman Begins, I never really cared about the character of Batman as a person and as a character with an arc. I always just thought, okay, well, I'm obviously I'm rooting for him because I'm rooting for good, but I'd much rather watch any of these other characters. Um, and this and Batman Begins was the first one that got me on his side, which is I think which I think is why they had to really make it about Batman very specifically. Dark Knight is much more of an ensemble. Um, and so, but they needed to establish who Batman is and also have threats from everywhere. It could be Ra's al Ghul. It could be Scarecrow. It could be Carmine Falcone. It could be mm-hmm. Rutger Hauer's character. Uh, and then just, and then Joe chill and just vi- just crime in general. And then as time goes on and as Batman continues, that's when it becomes very focused because he's dealt with almost all the other crime. And so now you, that's when you see individuals come up that he hasn't encountered before so i feel like you need that in the first film for the second film to have the resonance true um and so so again it comes down to what do you prefer and i think they're they're also specifically trying to do different things with the character rather than just try to repeat the same type of thing well let me okay this will the one i want to ask you about okay because i think this is a matter of preference and even i don't necessarily know where i've you know we're talking about the terminator movies or the batman movies one director making two very different Okay. Movies. I want to talk about two two films that are very similar in the type of movie they are, but very different in their approach because they're made by different directors. Okay. And that's The Born Identity and The Born Supremacy. Okay. Which one do you think is better? Supremacy. Really? Is that easy for you? It's a difficult decision for me. Well, okay. So hang on a minute. You said better. You didn't say which one do I prefer. Okay. So you like Supremacy better. I prefer Supremacy. Um, and I think Ultimatum is pretty great, too. Um I do. I think Ultimatum, as much as I like it, hurts Supremacy a little bit because it's because it's so much more of the same. It, yes, in a way, yes. you know. Um, and I think maybe as much as I like all three movies, and I think the trilogy works really well. Um, I think that is maybe kind of a, a problem with it is that it's just the same arc over and over uh, within each film, and then the the overall arc is just oh, he's discovering more about himself. Yeah, all right. Um, but it always works for me. But he's discovering Matt Damon is a good enough actor to make it seem new every he's time. He's discovering, literally discovering more about himself, who he is. Yeah. But he's also like learning who he is, quote unquote, in like a, yeah. you know, and that's why he's um, discovering who he was while he's becoming who he is now. Yeah. I would and, say. and and so I think, um, you know, I I do rag on Ultimatum a little bit, um, but uh, the matt damon saying the line that clive owen says in the first movie is so perfect it's wonderful uh it's such a great moment yeah but still that's not what we're talking about here. yeah and i think i think born identity it just i think we've since seen movies like supremacy made in that way that you know not merely the shaky cam but also just very seeming very raw Uh and and that sort of thing um I think since we, including uh, the way Christopher Nolan directed his Batman movies, um, I think we saw a lot of that afterwards, uh, including the, the the James Bond movies uh, with Daniel Craig. Um, Supremacy at the time was very fresh. That was a very fresh way of making yeah, uh, an true. action movie. Whereas Born Identity, it was very slick, very polished. And but I think was, at that time it wasn't very exciting to me. Whereas Supremacy, see, I thought, what the hell am I watching? Um, yeah, so I, I, yeah, I, I think the thing for me is... Yeah, supremacy was did feel fresh and new, whereas identity felt like things that work but being executed at the top of their game. That's the thing. Because you're right, it is it is much much slicker, much smoother. Yeah. 
but not in a phoned in or hacky way. Not it's, at all. It's and D- I, Doug Lyman is hitting all the things. It's sort of expertly made in that in that sense. And yeah. so those are the two things I'm comparing here. Well, and I think that the reason that I mention that is because I think the reason that I instinctively say supremacy uh, is maybe because I haven't seen it in a while, and I feel like now that I've seen that style done more often and I'm more accustomed to it, if I were to return to the two movies, would I still like Supremacy more? Um, now that the the novel quality of it is gone, does it still hold up? And not merely does it hold up, but is it still, to me, preferable than the, than the quality slickness of Born Identity? Um, and I'm not sure anymore. I, I, I feel like I would need to, I'd like to watch the whole trilogy again, frankly, and, and see what I think. Um, and then I didn't see Born Legacy. That's a completely different director oh, as yeah. well. Yeah. I, can't How remember, is I don't the, remember who did that. It's Tony Gilroy. Oh, right. Who wrote the other ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. Born Legacy is, it's the worst Born movie, but it's still not awful. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I kind of forgot that it exists. Does it feel like any of the others or does it feel uh, decidedly different? Uh, that's a, that's a good question. Yeah. It feels like the others. Definitely. Okay. But yeah, it's kind of gone from my memory in a lot of ways. Mm. Uh, cause it just, I guess that's a, that's a mark against it, that it's not the most memorable, yeah. uh, film that's been, I've seen that one more recently than any of the others. And I remember those better because I've seen those multiple times Yeah, and I have done a back to back to back born day once. Was it fun? Uh, yeah, actually, it was actually a Christmas day that I didn't go home. I was here in Los Angeles. Nice. Uh, and um, my then uh, girlfriend had, my girlfriend at the time had gotten me for Christmas that box set. You have the same one here. Yeah. And so I spent Christmas day watching all three porn movies. It was awesome. It sounds wonderful. Yeah. You know, there are times when, when I wish I was back in college, not that you were in college when that happened, but, and I feel like I could do that. I couldn't yeah. do a full day of watching movies even if I wanted to, I mean, I do want to, uh, yeah. uh, often, but, uh, I could never carve out the time. Yeah. It's impossible to do so. So um, I think about drugs. <laughs> okay. Like I don't want to do drugs anymore. Like I, you know, I used to do recreationally, you know, yeah. when I was in college, uh, like, but I couldn't like, I don't have the time to take acid, have an acid trip and then recover from it and then get yeah. back to my, like I can't carve out, I can't set aside that much time in my life, even if I wanted to, which I don't anymore. Mm. Um, but even if I wanted to do acid, I just, I don't have the time to do acid right now. Yeah. I feel like maybe that's one of the reasons that drugs ruin people's lives is because <laughs> they have to choose which, you know, right. one or the other, it could be movies, you know, yeah. there's only one person who managed to do it. And that was Hunter S Thompson. And he eventually killed himself. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, but yeah. And so, um, but no, I think that's a good, and I, I feel like uh, this is a, a common. I feel like this is a common refrain, and I think now that I look at my list, I feel like it's even more common than I thought. Which is a lot of the time that people talk about which one is better. Only in a couple instances, now that I look at the list that I made, only in a couple instances do I feel like the sequel is genuinely com- uh, comparable to the original in its goal in its tone and what, and you know, and what the filmmaker is genuinely accomplishing. But by and large, I feel like on my list. And of course these are all good sequels. There's plenty of bad sequels. Uh, name one. (laughs) Oh boy. 
I would say the fourth Halloween. Okay. I have actually never seen that's the all. Halloween. That's all I've got, though. Is that, what is Nothing that else called? is bringing to It's mind. not called Halloween, Halloween 4, is it? Uh, I don't remember which one that is. I haven't seen it. I just chose. I just chose to say one. But yeah. Halloween four and five are kind of like one I, is they don't the, exist in my one mind. One is the curse of Michael Myers. See, I thought that was six. Four might be the return of Michael Myers because, of course, three he was gone. Um, yeah, but yeah, and so, um, so yeah, like for example, um, looking at this, uh, I wrote down Evil Dead two. But Evil Dead 2 is tonally, and and I've not, you know what, I've not seen e- the first Evil Dead, so what oh. do I know? But I do, based on what people have said, and admittedly I have seen uh, some long clips from the first one, and, you know, I mean, the budget isn't totally there, but also it looked like it was trying to be kind of a genuine horror movie, whereas I have seen Evil Dead 2, and that is, you know, if any movie's going to give Joe Dante a run for his money for just sheer balls-out chaos... Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn, um, is it. And so, now, have you seen the first Evil Dead? I have. Okay. Um, but I've never seen Evil Dead 2. Really? Yeah. Oh, so, my gosh. You would love together it. Together, we've seen movies. Yeah, we've, we've got it worked out. Real quick. Yes, Halloween 4 is The Return of Michael Myers. Okay. Halloween 5 is just Halloween 5. All right. And 6 is, as I thought, The Curse of Michael Myers. Okay. And then there's then Halloween H2O. H2O, then Resurrection. Resurrection. And then the remakes. Yes. Um, all right. Um, oh, but yeah, shit, I was so, going to say something. So there's one where the same filmmaker got a budget mm-hmm. and a lot of people, again, I've, I haven't seen the first one, but a lot of people say it's basically the same story, yeah, but just done in a completely different style. And one that's in many cases is, is rather slapsticky, um, but in, in the most disturbing way, by the way, uh, I, I'll tell you one while we're on this topic that I do think is comfortably better is uh, Spider-Man 2, as long as we're on that Sam Raimi yep. uh, train here. Um, uh, I think it's almost kind of like the Transporter 2. It's t- it figured out what worked in the first one. Yeah. It did more of that. Uh, you know? I do think this is an instance like a, like a Batman Returns that you and I talk about a lot. Uh, an instance of... You know, you watch that first one, it doesn't have a lot, with the exception of Jameson. J. Jonah Jameson, that is a very Sam Raimi type of character, yeah. the way that they play, the way that he is, he's played. I mean, it takes place in 2002. The character is straight from the 1940s mm-hmm. in performance and de- design. They, mm-hmm. they did not do anything to update that character, <laughs> right. which I love. Uh, but aside from that... Uh, it's very straightforward and it takes it all pretty seriously. Um, there are moments of silliness, but compare that to the raindrops keep falling on my head montage of Spider-Man two. Yeah. Um, and I think Spider-Man two is, um, we, we were talking about the 22 jump street thing and all their jokes about getting a bigger budget for no reason to make a sequel. Mm -hmm. Spider-Man two is a movie. I think you actually can see the bigger budget on the screen. Absolutely. And it works. You know where else? I'll, a recent one I'm looking at on your thing right here, Catching Fire, is I think another movie. I do like that one more, yeah. Um, I, not only do I like it more, but I also think it uses its bigger budget to its uh, to its benefit. You know? Yeah, like, it, compare the wolf, the dog, mutant dog things, whatever, from uh, the first Hunger Games yeah. to those crazy evil baboons in oh, Catching Fire. Uh, yeah, it's night and day. David. I know. Obviously... Baboons, baboons are dangerous. Are dangerous. <laughs> um, 
I like that. That's a that's a a regular occurrence. Yeah, and I like that most of a lot of our listeners know exactly what we're referring to, and there are probably yeah. plenty who don't like they're not memorizing everything we say yeah they have no idea what that was they're not going to explain it why did they say baboons that way (laughs) why'd they say baboons because baboons are dangerous yeah it's important to know um now another movie uh another superhero movie that i think like spider-man 2 can be compared i think very specifically to the first spider-man and i think uh beats it very very decisively Uh uh another superhero movie that i think can be compared tonally and the whole deal and comes out better is X-Men two. Um, the first I, one in, in both cases, because on post show recaps, I recently did uh, a, a round, uh, a roundup of superhero movies. And, you know, aside from blade, uh, a, a viewer was quick to point out, uh, I forgot blade, but as far as big name superheroes like Spider-Man and X-Men, those are the two that kicked it off. What yeah. now is very commonplace at the time was probably pretty risky. And so you saw a lot of hedging, I think, in both films. Um, and then they did well. And then the both filmmakers I, just decided, let's you do it. Hit exactly, exactly what I was going to say about X-Men. The first one is that it's competent, but it feels a little bit safe. It feels weird, weirdly, for even though the superhero thing wasn't uh, as common as it is now, X-Men feels like it's following a formula a little more. Me. Oh, absolutely. Uh, whereas X2, to go back to the Gremlins thing, feels more like Brian Singer's film. Yeah, and I mean, it starts with a character. I mean, if you if you read the comic books, you know who Nightcrawler is, but it starts with a character we don't know who seems to be a villain, even though fans know that he's a hero, mm-hmm. and so we don't know what's going on there. Um, there's a lot more, uh, I think, a lot more analogy to, uh, you know, the lack of gay rights and that sort of thing. Right. Sometimes it's really clunky like when, the, but, it, but that's okay because it's still a risk. Like when, um, when, Oh, who is it? Oh, uh, uh, Iceman. He's talking to his parents and she says, have you tried not being a mutant? Right now? I do think that's really clunky, but it's still something that I don't think they would have done in the first one. In the right. first one, they're much more content to make parallels to things from the past. Right which was uh, certainly uh, concentration camps and like Jews, but also uh, That's the where civil, it starts, yeah. Yeah, and the civil rights movement of right. the 60s. But then with the second one, more money, more, and he's more comfortable, so now he'll talk about stuff happening right now. I'm going to ask you a question. <laughs> okay. I'm going to warn our listeners first. The answer is going to be a spoiler for X-Men Days of Future Past. Okay. So if you haven't seen it and you don't want to see it, All skip right. forward just like 30 seconds. I just okay. want to ask you. And you have not seen it. I have not seen it. Okay. All right, everyone skip forward. Is Alan coming in X-Men Days of Future Past? He's not. He's not. Okay. Sorry. All right, moving on. Okay. Um, yeah, sorry. I know there's a number of thing, people in it. Anyway, let's move yes. on. Yes, and, and, and it is delightful that they gathered as many people as they did. Um, so, okay. Uh, so, I feel like that that is one. So, Spider-Man 2, uh, X-Men 2, and then looking at this, let's see. What else have we got? I do think, aside from uh, the fact that it's in color and the original is not, I do think Dawn of the Dead uh, is... there. As I wrote it down, I love Night of the Living Dead. I think I might like it more than Dawn of the Dead, but I know a lot of people think Dawn of the Dead is better, yeah. uh, and they like it more. And I tried to think about it and think, can I even compare them? Because one has a, a shoestring budget, 
Um, it's shot in black and white because that's all they could afford uh, and that sort of thing. So is it... Weird that that was cheaper then. Strange, right? Like, I think now it would be more expensive to shoot in black and white if yeah. you're shooting on film. I guess if you're shooting digitally, it doesn't matter. But if you're shooting on film, it probably would be more expensive to shoot in black and white because, oh, no like, question. the houses that do it are like, oh, I guess we got to you know, dust off this old machine or something. Yeah. Was this the middle ages? Uh, <laughs> I don't know how these things work. Incidentally, anyway. there is a, there is a movie on Netflix. I think it's called birth of the dead or birth of the living dead. And it's an in-depth, uh, uh, exploration on, uh, the making of night of the living dead. And it's, it's great. It's, it's really interesting, but, um, but yeah, I, I that's the thing. I have such a hard time with a couple of exceptions. And I think I'd maybe just mention them. I have a hard time saying any of these are better than the original. Yeah, I would definitely say Not Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead are different different movies in so many ways. Yeah. But uh, I'll say this. I've seen, I've watched Dawn of the Dead more times. I think I've seen Night of the Living Dead more times. Oh, there you go. Um, um, but, all right, they, well, but they are, but that's the thing is they, they do have similar levels of ambition. I think because the first one was done independently, I think George Romero just did whatever he wanted to do and he did it with the second one as well. So it's not an instance, it's not an X-Men or Spider-Man where you see him really cut loose in the, in the second film. They are equally uh, audacious. um, And, both of them try to, you know, are exploring certain themes and making certain uh, parallels and and uh, holding mirrors up to society and, and the whole deal. So they are, I think, I think you can definitely compare the two as far as goals and tone. Um, but it's so weird. I had this thought recently because I was watching. Um, what was I reading? Oh, the dissolve had had a thing about uh, about Paul Newman winning Best Actor for The Color of Money, and that he's playing Fast Eddie Fast Eddie Felson, uh-huh. the character from The Hustler. Yeah, but they also said it's been so long that the character has changed enough that it might be a, it might as well just be a different movie. Um, and I sort of agree, partially because the original is in black and white, <laughs> Color of Money is in color, and I I know that this is dumb of me no, i totally get where you're coming that from part of me is like those are different worlds yeah it they're can. completely different worlds yeah. how can that's not fast study felt he's in black and white yeah they are a, they are self-evidently different yeah yeah i totally uh i totally see that it, fe- it feels so simplistic of me when i think that I, I i feel like i'm 14 years old when i say that but i can't and so i have to get myself intellectually around that yeah and it just and I have a heart, and that is that's one of my big things between Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, is that now uh, one's a black and white and one isn't. Now Batman Returns is all but in black and white. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but it, there's enough color that it doesn't uh, throw you off. All right, um, we should wrap up. One more that I I would be uh, I would be not being true to myself if I didn't bring up Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Oh, indeed. Um, and I feel like. Uh, people don't agree with me that uh, Bogus Journey is better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't. I totally get it. I think, um, as I talked about on the show before, I have a soft spot for audacity. And um, uh, Bill and Ted um, is so... It's, it's, what, we, it's what we want, I mm-hmm. think, out of a sequel is not 
it's there's barely any tra- time travel in Bil- Bogus Journey until the yeah. end. You'd think, based on the Twenty Two Jump Street like example, the studio would be like, "No, it has to be these guys traveling through time and meeting his famous people again." Yeah, that's what that's what made the first one work. That's what, but I think they realized like, no, what's important is that these two guys are just like, you know, goofy dipshits together, <laughs> and yeah. uh, and so it um, picked an entirely different journey for them to go on. Yeah, uh, a bogus one, um, in which. Our main characters die 10 minutes into the movie. Yeah. Uh, and then they spend the rest of the world movie traveling the netherworld trying to get back to life. It's such an inspired idea. I'm so glad that uh, the studio let them get away with making uh, yeah. such a different... Uh, and I, when I say such a different movie, it's such a different plot. Yeah. But it realizes what's important is that it's about these two guys and their relationship to one another and how goofy they are and well, it sticks with that and so i don't want to sound like i'm ragging on excellent adventure because excellent adventure is also a really cool idea yeah uh you know but i really want to commend the team behind bogus journey for not just following the same blueprint well and i remember years ago i wrote an article for the website um about uh sequels and why I wrote it in response to the hangover Two, which I didn't see admittedly, but everything about it just seemed like, okay, it's exactly the same, but it's elsewhere. Uh-huh. And my frustration coming from, well, the thing is this, I love the first hangover. I really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but these characters are not such that they would have the same adventure elsewhere. You have to come up with a new adventure that these characters could conceivably get into. Sequels work well for James Bond. They work well for Spider-Man because the nature of who they are as characters allows them to have different types of adventures, and it's okay. That's the consistency. And I think, because I'm one of the people who defends the Hangover sequels, and yeah. I think the even, thing with, Even number two? I thought you didn't like number two. No, I, yeah, I love them all. Okay. Um, uh, own all the Blu-rays. Um, the thing with Hangover Part 2... And it's part two, not Hangover Two. The What's hangover. up? It's the Hangover Part Two. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of it. Not I thought that it was I'm, like the Godfather like, Two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say Sam Raimi fans don't get up on all my grill. A, I haven't seen Evil Dead Two, and B, I'm not saying the Hangover Two is as good as Evil Dead Two. Okay. What I'm saying is it's the same kind of thing where it's the same filmmaker essentially remaking the film more in his own voice. That's okay. why. That's what speaks to me about the Hangover Part Two is that. Yes, it's the exact same story, and yes, it doesn't have as many laughs in it, but it feels like more of a Todd Phillips film to me than The Hangover does. Although there are lots of things about The Hangover yeah. that I really see his uh, his stamp on. The sort of um, the look of The Hangover is one of the, is one of the things that works for many more than anything else. Normally, yeah. this kind of comedy would be super like uh, you know what do you call it? like high key low contrast lighting yeah. everything would look kind of safe and yeah and very bright uh and the fact that he coated las vegas in grime and dust and no. smog uh and then is, of course it needs to take place in a particularly harsh yeah. sunlight the 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 hard light of day yeah you know? um is a really great choice. And I think he does, he does more of that kind of thing with, uh, with Bangkok in the hangover part two. It's, it's grimier than the first one. But I do uh, know that hangover three is a completely different type of story. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like that's, that actually intrigued me more than, you know, 
the hangover Two lost in New York. Right. Uh, you know, cause I mean, that, that is the most egregious version of this. I, Homo, Home, Home Alone <laughs> two lost in New York. I haven't seen Home Alone two since I was a little kid. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time, but even as a kid, I thought, so let me get this straight. I mean, I still saw it in the theater and I still thought it was great, but uh-huh. I, I was young and stupid, but, um, it's like, let me get this straight. He's in New York now. He's in a whole different place. I'll even grant you that he loses his family. Sure. Uh-huh. Why not? At least this time they're getting on different planes and there's some confusion. They haven't left him behind. Uh-huh. One could argue he's not home alone anymore, but whatever. <laughs> not only does he befriend a strange old person that it turns out is a, is a human being. Not only that. <laughs> I'll even say, hey, uh, the character Kevin Callister is the same. He'll fall into similar patterns. The fucking wet bandits are in a new. They're out of jail. Uh-huh. Go to New York. At the same time, New York, the most populous city in the country, uh-huh. and thus making it, I would say, uh, in the running for uh, in the world. You know, I, probably top know. five, top ten. I don't know if that's true. Actually, that's. For I the, know that there's but like Sao Paulo, like Jakarta, yeah, is uh, enormously populous, and uh, uh, Delhi. Yeah, it probably has. Yeah, a lot that's of probably yeah, yeah. And so, but nonetheless, uh, it's there's a lot of there's millions millions of people that live there. Yes, but they find Kevin McAllister. Uh, and he still and he has access to and he has access to another house that he can booby trap yeah he's not gonna call the police or anything like that he knows what they're going to do yeah, he's an old pro at this he point. knows they're going to break into a place yeah but anyway like that that is the most egregious i think example of just doing the same thing it's literally the same plot but they just moved it a few hundred miles a, few, mm-hmm. a couple thousand miles away and that's it that's the one change and so, um, well, the thing with the hangover part three yeah. is what got us onto this is that, uh, that's Todd Phillips getting to make the movie. I think, uh, a kind of movie that he wanted to make, which is as much an action movie as it is. It's an action comedy. It's like, absolutely. Buster Keaton would love it. Um, yeah, but I mean, I'm saying hangover part three is more in the realm of like Beverly Hills cop than it yeah. is, uh, whatever the hangover and the hangover is like an animal house type of movie. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, and I think. Todd Phillips wanted to make an action movie. Did you eventually see Hangover Part Three? I, I did not, but I, okay. I still want to. And I just uh, there's just so many there's just so many damn movies to see. It's yeah. so frustrating. But um, but I feel like that's you know you mentioned Bill and Ted. I think one of the reasons that it's so exciting and invigorating is that, like you said, people even if they think that's what they want, they are not. They didn't actually want just another time travel movie. They wanted these guys in another outlandish situation. Yeah, that's what makes it work. Yeah. Um, you still got to have some famous people in there like God. Well, no, yeah. You don't actually, do you actually see God? Oh, you do, right? Eventually. I don't remember. I haven't seen it in, um, I'm going to say 20 years. But uh, the Grim Reaper. Yeah, played by William Sadler. Um, Albert Einstein has a small, uh, it's not him, but someone plays Albert Einstein for a very small. Played by Walter Matthau. Uh, <laughs> That's not actually true. I, I was trying IQ. to think, yeah, IQ. Um, uh, also, Bogus Journey has aliens that are ghosts. It has the ghosts of aliens. Okay. Because you, you remember when you think of the movie, you remember Station. Oh, that's the two aliens who turn into one big alien. Yes. But remember, they came from heaven. Those are ghost aliens. Oh, man. They're not like... <laughs> I love that idea. That's double trouble. That it's like, we're not gonna just going to have aliens in our movie. They're going to be the 
spirits of former aliens instead anyway we're getting into uh scientology territory yeah, yeah exactly um, so uh that's a good time for us to wrap up do we have uh, something you need to say here uh well i do sorry uh, we're not wrapping up yet i, oh, I did shit. want to say two things okay uh number one one thing uh, i mentioned do you think the mis- second thing is going to be better than the first thing in keeping with our episode Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, that's up to you because I'm, th- I'm going to th- throw something to you. Um, but uh, I was talking about the Mission Impossible film, but we can also talk about the Alien films that uh, – oh, I thought of a third thing, but that one won't be as good. Um, okay. But uh, So we'll, I'll save that for the third because uh-huh. the third one is very seldom as good except in Toy Story. So um, the uh, – I mean those are certainly franchises and – and each one takes on the flavor of the director making it. And so certainly, I think certainly with the Mission Impossible films, um, I know that there are characters that come back, but they hardly fe- they feel like episodes of a TV series uh-huh. uh, more than an actual movie series. I, so I even have a hard time saying saying sequel, even though I know that they are technically sequels. I mean, we are seeing, you know, Ethan Hunt mm-hmm. come back and, and all that. So I, I'm fine with that. But ultimately it's, Hey, which mission impossible do you want to see? Do you want to see the Brad bird one? Mm-hmm. Do you want to see the John Wu? That's how do you I want to see that. I feel the like answer that's is no to the John Wu one. <laughs> of course not. I yeah. don't want to see that. Um, and I'm not too thrilled with the Brian De Palma, but it's, I like it. it's saying which of these, it's always the same kind of movie. So which one would you rather see? It's for okay. me, it's like James Bond. Um, and, uh, so that's, that's one thing. And, and I don't feel quite the same about the, the alien films, but eventually they, they do feel like that when you watch all four of them, it's, Hey, do you want a particularly ornate, uh, and a kind of ugly beauty? They all kind of have the ugly beauty, but, um, do you want kind of an almost playful quality to it? Go watch uh, alien resurrection. Yeah. Um, do you want just the most cynical, hard edged nihilistic? Go watch the David Fincher. Do you want an action film? Right, but he doesn't stand by that movie. He doesn't No. but it and does. Rightfully so. It's not very yeah, good, but it does. It does feel like him, uh, in some ways. Um, at, at I least get that as far it as, looks like him. Yeah. I think tonally it's pretty close to I, I, I have to rewatch it him at the time all i remember is the alien point of view shots which is stupid because aliens don't have eyes i don't know what that's supposed yeah, to be I, anyway I don't know. wouldn't it be funny if there are eyes on the on the jaw the little jaw that comes out that'd be weird <laughs> um but uh okay uh and then the other thing is i'm just <laughs> like googly eyes <laughs> <laughs> just, just launching it off at Kodo's face. Yeah. Just, oh man, that'd be delightful. Oh, uh, well, I've got a Photoshop uh, project. <laughs> so, um, uh, and the, the other thing that I said is, um, I didn't incorporate the Harry Potter films because it was always, or Lord of the Rings, cause they were always meant to be part of a larger right. thing. And so, right. It never felt like it, there was never going to be. Well, I guess there's always the possibility. There was never going to be the first Harry Potter, and maybe if it does well, we'll greenlight a second one. It was, I think, always because of the popularity of the books. I think right. they, I think they just sort of always had it at the ready that they were yeah. going to do a second one. And so if the first one did even probably even moderately well. 
here comes the second one. So I think it was there was always an assumption of that. Yeah, but I mean that doesn't always happen. We're not going to get another the Mortal Instruments movie. What? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'm wrong. Hey, they made another Percy Jackson. They did. That's very strange. That's yeah. Very strange. Um, but uh, and they made another Hellboy, much to my surprise. And I actually, I think I do like Hellboy two. I never more. saw Hellboy two. Um, no, I, I like should. it a lot. Yeah. And that's that's an example of Guillermo del Toro got a bigger budget, probably because of Pan's Labyrinth, and um, really opened up the world of Hellboy, which I liked a lot. But anyway, um, the okay, last thing I wanted thing. to say. Uh, the third thing, and this is dependent on you. Okay. Uh, I don't think this will lead to a super long conversation. I hope it doesn't because I have to pee. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, just go. <laughs> Speaking of potentially bad sequels, I did. I gave in and uh, watched the trailer for Dumb and Dumber Two. I did not. Boy, I don't care. Don't care to boy, see. Boy, oh boy. I, I guess yeah. I'll I'll reserve judgment until I do see it. But I you never might know. Not ever see it. It look. You know what? It looks like it's committing, and good for them. It is weird to see guys that are notably older uh-huh. being this dumb, because then you do start to think, "All right, there's. I mean, they're not just dumb now. I mean, there's there's something wrong with them. <laughs> yeah. And like, how could they? Wouldn't they have gotten killed at some point? Like, oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah. They need a Frank Grimes to come in and say, hey, uh, these guys should have died dozens of times by now. Um, But uh, anyway, so um, what I was going to ask you is, as I was, uh, here's some lead up. As I was uh, researching this, I found uh, like a little video by Richard Roper in which he talked about his uh, five best sequels. Number one, as one would assume, was The Godfather Part 2. And he talked about like, he said something that was interesting. It's it's like the desert island thing, but he he went about it a different way. Where he said, if movies were going to stop tomorrow, and somebody said I had a chance to watch one last movie before that happened, uh-huh. before movies as a concept were just done, he said I would probably go with Godfather Part Two. Now, Godfather the Godfather Part Two is pretty great, but it is regularly brought up almost as a foregone conclusion that and probably empire strikes back um right as a movie that is unquestionably better than than the first i don't know how people arrived there um except that it they are empire and godfather but let's stick with godfather right now except that it is a great movie there is no question about it you can't deny it but how how do people get there and also what do you think uh i've already said i like the godfather better and i think um uh, again i think they're both great movies it's just a taste uh, 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 a matter of preference Mm -hmm. i think i like the godfather better for the same reason I like the Terminator better than Terminator 2, um, that it's, I mean, it feels weird to say about The Godfather, which is, already, you know, even the first one already has an epic feel to it, mm-hmm. but it's more streamlined than the second one. The second one is gargantuan, and I think maybe some people really like that maybe that's what they're responding to, that the second one is more of an epic, it's more, it's like the Lawrence of Arabia of, yeah. of, uh, of gangster movies, um, and if that's your thing, that's fine, but I think the re- the the reason that I like the Godfather more than part two is I think because it has, um, because it has less of a sprawling focus. And, you know, I think the structure of Godfather part two, which shows 
Michael's rise, although he's pretty much risen at, at yeah. that point, and contrasting that with Vito's, mm-hmm. I think that's a really interesting way of making a movie, and one I think that was probably not done very much at the time. It's not yeah. done much now, and I, I, I admire that a great deal, and I like both, but... Brother, have you read the book, The Godfather? I've not. Because all the Vito stuff mm-hmm. in Godfather Part 2 is from The Godfather. The, yeah. So the novel did what Part 2 did. It yeah. told the two stories at the same time. I mean, it was more about the modern day one but yeah uh anyway i just thought that was interesting yeah i've never read the godfather i i do hear that is one of those rare instances where the movie or in this case movies are better than the book like the, the book is fun it's it's trashy you know yeah. it's like an airport novel type of yeah type of thing that's interesting yeah um and so uh but i think again maybe this goes back to a a a, a Batman Begins Dark Knight kind of thing because they're about two different things. I mean, God, if, if I'm just looking at uh, Godfather Part 2 seems to be about the confirmed damnation of Vito and Michael. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty rough, but it also means that there's not a whole lot of arc there. I mean, the way Michael's story at in number two ends, it's literally no one goes against the family Except now, what do you do when the family goes against the family, and what what choice do you make? And there's a at the end, it's all right. He's confirmed. Right. He's he's damned now. And so, but I feel like oddly enough, I feel like that's not much. It's not a whole lot. Uh, not much of an arc. I do love the the character of uh, Fredo in the second one, though. But um, yeah. whereas Godfather, I think what I like about it is that it's about a time of transition, both in the life of Michael but also in the crime world in general as they start getting into drugs and the the somewhat honorable philosophies of Vito start fading away in favor of, a, I'd say, a much more craven, just do what you can, uh, do whatever you can to get ahead uh, attitude. And so there's that, and that is what Michael is coming into and he starts as b- trying to be a good person, not doing these things. And so it's a time of transition in general, but then also personified by this one character. And so I think I like that more. And there is something to be said for, I mean, the character of the Godfather, Vito Corleone, right. as played by Marlon Brando. Second one doesn't have that. Right. And that is a, that is missing something. Yeah. Okay. But the second one is still is still... It's yeah. still great, obviously. It's a matter of taste. How do you uh, think... I'm sorry. How do you think... Do you think it's just because of the epic quality that people just um, just started saying it was the the better film? Uh, I, I It's hard for me to say. I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm uh, chastising people for saying that it's better because it's grander. But yeah. maybe people... Like I said, maybe people just a lot of people respond to that. Yeah. I mean, that's what they like. But I mean, yeah, I, I guess that's that would be my assumption that that's what people like about it more is yeah. it's uh, it's it's scope. I mean, Aliens, Terminator Two, even Empire Strikes Back to a certain extent, mm-hmm. they're all bigger, and I think people understand that there's certainly achievement in bigger, uh, but I don't think that necessarily makes it inherently better. Yeah, well, M- Empire works um, for me because yes, it is bigger in it's spectacle i guess but it's um dialed down i think and it's like uh what's the word i'm looking for it's like 
pathos is more grounded, I think. Oh, absolutely. That's I why think, I like it so much. I think the characters go from uh, archetypes, and I say that in a good way, right. of the first film, to genuine characters with yeah. real feelings that change and that sort of thing. So, okay, I know you have to go to the bathroom, so we'll, we'll And you have a thing to read. Oh, shoot. Yes, I do. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, all these sponsors. You're supposed to have this at the ready. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, here we an go. An hour and a half. Everybody, uh, as my slow internet loads. Okay, here we go. This episode, the episode you just listened to, hopefully you enjoyed it. Because it was brought to you. What was that? I, I enjoyed it. Okay, good. Well, I enjoyed it because of who sponsored it. Really? Uh-huh. That's interesting. You don't, re- you don't often run across that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but just knowing that I was doing it for these guys. It's like watching the Super Bowl for the commercials, which <laughs> exactly. I guess a lot of people do. Exactly. Uh, okay, this episode was brought to you by Catalyst, a short film that follows several partygoers as their lives become intertwined by a single event. The story uh, is all told in one continuous shot. It was made for the My Road Reel contest, and voting is open until June 23rd, so check it out. To vote, just go to Rodemic, that's R-O-D-E-M-I-C dot com, Rodemic dot com slash My Road Reel, and road is R-O-D-E. So a lot of uh, counterintuitive spelling there. So you can go to Rodemic dot com slash My Road Reel and search for Catalyst, or... Hey, if, you, if you don't have time for that, just go, just click on the banner at battleshippretension.com. Uh, I've seen the film. I think it is visually quite beautiful. I think it's quite an achievement. So go and vote for that. Uh, and uh, you know all the ways to get us. Yeah, Battleship Pretension, uh, more than one lesson, uh, at more lessons, at the pretension. Uh, hey, watch this. Thanks for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.